Hello and welcome to Rob's Records Podcast, Episode 8, Can't You Hear Me Knocking?
So we're starting today's show with Rob's Records, and it was indeed Can't You Hear Me Knocking by the Rolling Stones from their 1971 album, Sticky Fingers, produced by Jimmy Miller. Interestingly, Jimmy Miller recorded quite or produced quite a few albums in his time. So he started off with uh, 1967's Traffic, Mr. Fantasy, and continued to work with the Rolling Stones, Blind Faith, Ginger Baker's Air Force, Motorhead, and in 1991 on Primal Scream's Screamadelica album before dying in 1994, aged 52, of liver failure. The reason I chose the song is um, it was one that my friend Mark introduced me to. I went over to Italy and he, he asked me if I'd seen this film Blow, Johnny Depp, Penelope Cruz, and I hadn't. And we played it and it was like, wow. Like the, the sound of Keith Ridge's guitar, that's the sound I've always dreamed that I wanted my guitar to have. Similar to uh, Ronnie Wood in The Faces, I think that guitar sound is just how all guitars should sound. So, well, at the, at the previous show, I mentioned there will be a discussion about uh, music as therapy. And I'm, uh, I'm pleased to bring to my virtual studio uh, a dear friend of mine, Tom. Hello, Tom. Hello, Rob. Hello. Um, I noticed that you've eaten all my virtual jammy dodgers. They're very tasty. Very, they were, yeah, are you virtually full now? I've, I've licked out the the red hearts from the centre. You've well, just got yeah. the biscuit around the outside, I'm afraid. So, new listeners to the show, people won't know, might know who you are. And why am I talking to you about music as therapy? So, if you could just give us a little bit of background in the job that you do, please. Yeah, so uh, I'm a nurse. Um, Underpaid, obviously, as everyone knows. But uh, this isn't a political show. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I got to get that in there, though. You know, the votes are important. But um, anyway, let's not get political. Um, yeah, I'm a nurse. So I've worked in the NHS for around 15 years now. I work in. I've worked in different places on wards, uh, a little bit in the community. Uh, worked on ITU. What's ITU for listeners who don't understand the jargon? Intensive therapy unit or an ICU intensive care unit. Um, so, um, so yeah, so I've worked on an adult ICU. That was the last job I did. I've just moved on fairly recently to uh, a job doing some community work from out of the hospital. And yeah, that's what I do. I uh, obviously am a music lover as well. Where I can incorporate music into my daily work, I I do. And uh, I've I've long thought that music has a place in people who are in hospitals stay in making them better. Excellent. Well, just a little test, because anyone can come on my show and tell them that they work for the NHS and they're a nurse and stuff like that. So what I've got is I've got a uh, medical question for you, just to check your credentials. So it's a tr true or false question, mm -hmm. okay, so if, if you're ready. So ready. here's the, here is your question. So similar to an iPhone, right, you can reset a person by pressing and holding their belly button and anus for three seconds. <laughs> um, that's obviously false. <laughs> oh, well, I think you need to check. Uh, I think you need to next, next time, uh, check it. Because I tell you what, someone did that to me and I couldn't move for about five minutes. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll get a medical paper done on it, do some research. It's uh, your, your, your insights astound me. 
<laughs> right, well, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll invite you back into to the show in a few months' time. Uh, we'll see how that the bit of research is going. Yeah. <laughs> you do want right, to so... carry it out yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't do it yourself. Well, no, you, so... you organised the trial, you know, I don't really want to oh, get, put, my, put my name to that, you know. Because if I did it myself, they might get stuck and I'll be forever in reset mode. <laughs> what a way to go. It's worse than being found in a wardrobe hanging, you know, with an orange in my mouth or whatever it is. Like, uh, that you sound like uh, dude. that's coming from personal experience. No, 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 no. I, I, <laughs> my wardrobe's not big enough. I tell you. Anyway, um, not, deep enough. not deep enough. No, I need it. I need it deep. So before, before we go into the music as therapy, you said you're obviously a music lover. So just a few questions, really. We'll, we'll, get, we'll, we'll do that and then we'll go into like the music as therapy because it's, it's something that, uh, similar to you, I, I think music has a, has a really big impact on my life and I think definitely on the, of others and, and obviously some of the research I've done prior to this and just, well, just from generally kind of reading about music my, my whole life. In terms of your first question, it is, kind of goes to the, the first single or album that you bought, if you can remember. Yeah, I, I remember the first uh, the first single I bought uh, with my own money. Um, it was Los Lobos La Bamba. So, oh wow! Is that this 90, from the nineteen fifties? Yeah, I think it's an old Ricky Valley song. Um, so how old are you? Los Lobos nineties, isn't it? It's uh, oh, it was, yeah, it's from a film. It. I can't remember what film it was. I just remember it being a, a very intriguing piece of music. I mean, I wouldn't have thought much about it at the time, but listening back to it now, it's, uh, it doesn't seem to have a, a chorus, like the verse just kicks straight into La Bamba and you're like, okay. But it seems to yeah. work, you know, do things yeah, a bit cause differently. Because I, I think at that time, actually, there was a few, wasn't there? Because you had the like Unchained Melody by the Righteous Brothers, that's from The Ghost, and then you had like Reed Petit. There's a few of the uh, older songs that they were kind of redoing, uh, re-releasing. I think there was another one, uh, a Buddy Holly song. Excellent. Do you still have the single, or is it kind of no? Gone? No, it's long gone. Long, long gone. gone. Yeah. All right. So that was the first. So what was the last kind of song or album that you bought or streamed? Well, I mean, I stream things all the time. Um, again, going back to work, you know, the music's always on in you know side rooms in ITU and. So that's almost not special. It doesn't have a memory attached. The last album I remember buying um, was In Rainbows by uh, Radiohead. If you remember at the time, it was um, they did a special release where you could pay what oh, you thought. Oh, pay whatever you wanted, yeah. You pay what you, you wanted to them and you download it. So um, it, it's sort of ushering in the uh, a new way of doing things. I mean, obviously people have been downloading music before that, but the whole concept of you know, give us what you think we deserve for it. And, you know, it's, it, it makes you think about your music, you know, how much, you, you listen to it first, you know, and you think, oh, okay, this is good. How much do they deserve from me? You know, how much does a CD cost at the time? Uh, 15 pounds or so. And I think I sent them a tenner. And I was gonna I say, that was, that was my question. How much did you pay for it? Yeah, I sent them a tenner and I thought, yeah, yeah Tommy York deserves a little bit of cash for these wonderful well, songs. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing, because I remember listening to, was it Pablo Honey? Um, mm. And then OK Computer. And then I kind of went, well, I don't know, I just, they just didn't. In fact, I think I went down like another route of, of music, mm. really. But I, I mean, I think in terms of those two albums I just mentioned, I think they're really good. And then I think I should, should stream. Uh, can you get their stuff on Spotify? Yeah, I think uh, so. Uh, 
they're not dead against that kind of thing then. No, I don't think they're one of the one of those. Alright. And finally, what's one of your favourite songs of all time? Uh, well, there are lots, aren't there? But uh, it depends what day it is, what mood I'm in. But uh, if I was to pick one out, uh, I'd, I'd like to listen to, to classical music as well as modern music. You know, I see a lot of parallels between what was, what was done in the past and what we listen to these days. Uh, a favourite of mine is uh, Vivaldi, Four Seasons. It's a bit sort of... N- a, what, Nigel Kennedy? Not Nigel Kennedy, no, that's not how I, how I first found it. Um, it's, it was from my great aunt, she bought me a, a CD for uh, either a birthday or Christmas and it's just a fantastic version, you know, it's really exciting. Uh, the, the guy who is, is playing the violin on it, um, he, he obviously loves the music and um, it just the impact of it stayed with me. and. You know, I've listened to lots of music in the past that has classical leanings, like heavy metal in a lot of places. Classical music creeps in. Yeah, so it just makes sense to, that this music from centuries ago, you know, hits a, hits a button and, uh, and works for me, you know. So it doesn't have to be, say for example, where I mentioned like Nigel Kennedy's The Four Seasons. If you listen to that over the version that your auntie got you for your birthday, does yeah. it, it, it doesn't kind of, uh, tick tick the same boxes or almost. No, not at all. No. That one. You, 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 but they'll have the sheet music to start with, and um, you know, it's all about feel. So different violinists violinists will play it differently. Uh, if they they've got a conductor, he sort of works as um, almost like the drummer in a band. So he'll set the tempo and the, the you know if you want certain parts to be expressed, he'll wave his baton in a certain way. Because with composers. I never feel that they're in tune or in, in the beat. I'm like, he's just waving it. And I'm like, you're not in kind of any beat or structure that I can, I'm following. He's all, is he ahead of the game, as it were? So obviously he does it. Well, then, yeah, I mean, he's basically setting out how, I mean, if you think about an orchestra, there, there, there'll be, you know, 50, 100 people in the orchestra, depending on its size. But then it could be something as small as like a, a, a chamber quartet or something for people. and. If you don't have someone keeping beats like you would a drummer in a pop band or a rock band, it's you need someone to to somehow rhythmically get the everyone doing the same thing and expressively getting everyone doing the same thing as well. So I think that that's the thing that I think people get lost with conductors. I mean, I'm not an expert by any stretch, but my understanding is that they're, they're, they're setting the tempo, they're keeping the beat, but uh, they're also doing the expression and so, you know getting everyone pulling together and doing the same thing at the same time so uh, so the expression is maybe where we lose them watching them because you know we're not reading the music these guys know the sheet music um, back to front you know they're, they're they're sort of wrist flicks and so forth are picked up by the musicians as to how to how to play the part so they've got the sheet music in front of them and they, they, they can all read it in its in its basic form but there's lots of different ways of doing the same thing and that's when you put two side by side, say Nigel Kennedy and um, the, the one, the album that I uh, got from my auntie. You, you can lay them side by side and there'll be different ways of expressing the notes, different flourishes, crescendos, etc. So, mm. yeah, it's fascinating. No, absolutely. I mean, I remember we, you, we, we talked probably about a year ago about orchestras and stuff like that, because obviously with the guitar, you play a chord, but like mm. when you're talking to a string, string quartet, they're all playing a note each yes. differently that makes right. up that chord. And I just, I, it never occurred to me 
that kind of uh, way of playing? I think with um, uh, people tend to learn things like the piano and the guitar uh, as start-up instruments these days and you're gifted with these instruments because you can play a range of notes at the same time. You look at the majority of instruments that will be in orchestras or, you know, even earlier, you know, guys think things that are used prehistorically, they play one note at a time, they're monophonic. You know, we've got these polyphonic instruments that we, we learn on and then getting our, our mindset back around to most instruments play one note at a time, you know, from our popular music basis of guitar and piano is, is, uh, is a strange thing. It's, it's, it takes a bit of a leap. So going uh, on to music as therapy, what, mm. well, I guess what, what kind of plucked my interest was, I think it was probably, I don't know, about six years ago, I, I saw this thing on, uh, on YouTube and it was an excerpt from this documentary film called Alive Inside. And what they were doing is they were playing music to this particular gentleman had like Alzheimer's. It was very unresponsive, not very kind of animated at all or anything like that. And um, they start off asking him some questions and he's just like, you know, as I said, unresponsive. And they then play him some music from his childhood or what he used to listen to. I don't know if that was like gospel or something like that. And then following that, he becomes very animated and they start asking him questions and it's like, well, the, the documentary is called Alive Inside and, and, and literally the, this guy you know, comes alive. There's a few other people who they, they talk to, those who kind of have like schizophrenia. I think there's one gentleman in there whose wife, um, she has early onset dementia and what he, she doesn't take any medicines for it, uh, but he uses music to almost kind of keep her or keep her dementia kind of uh, at low ebb, so it, he's, he's doing that as a, um, as a thing. So in terms of your experience or what you've read about music as a medicine or, or as, as a therapy, you know, what, 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 is it kind of, what have you learned? Well, I think where I'll start is when I look at um, you know, patients, say going back to the ITU, you get relatives come in, you know, say, say the patient is, we've got them deeply sedated, you have relatives come in, you say to them, what's their favourite music? What's the patient's favourite music? Uh, I want to play it to them on the, you know, on the speakers on the computer. And no one says, no, I don't think that's a good idea. I don't think you should do that. It's a universal thing. Everyone just goes, yeah, okay, then uh, favourite music is this. And you put it on and it's almost an assumption that this is good for them. And I think that's like a universal truth that we all have. We all know music calms us. We all know music helps us access our emotions and so forth. It's, you know, more recently with research, you know, people are showing actual physical um, responses by patients when they're exposed to various kinds of music, be it music they like or, you know, say a, a lullaby for a, a sleeping baby or something and seeing that the, the heart rate come down that the blood pressure settle it's um i think we all know intuitively that music is a medicine but um you know sort of moving it into the 21st century for something to be a medicine we need to have the research that backs it up we need to be able to use it properly hmm. and uh i think that's uh, that, that's what fascinates me about it so, so in terms of itu so your job is to maintain the organs, is that correct? In terms of to allow the body to heal itself. You, you're not necessarily going, obviously if they're bleeding, that kind of thing is obviously something that's kind of taken care of, because yeah, you can. 
But in terms of everything else, it's just the case of you, you, you're supporting the body whilst the body heals itself. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, I mean, I think people get the idea with IT that, you know, we're, we're fixing people and it, it, it's not. I mean, the human body fixes itself. Um, there may be something attacking it or, you know, some, some injury. Uh, that we, so we need to support them through that so the body doesn't stop working or doesn't get worse and then the body heals itself. So, I mean, an example would be, say, someone who's had a, a cardiac arrest out of the hospital and uh, they've been defibrillized by the, uh, you know, the ambulance crew and, uh, and they've come back, but, you know, they're still unconscious. Uh, we'll get them up on the ITU and we, we deeply sedate them and we do it for at least 48 hours. And the reason why is it's a huge insult to their body and um, you know they'll start having horrible temperatures and the body starts attacking itself in strange ways and so our aim in the ITU is just to keep them settled, keep them stable, get all their electrolytes in the right range, um, keep them asleep, keep their temperature so it doesn't rise hugely like it tries to do and then after 48 hours, up to 72 hours, we're like okay we've given their body a chance to heal itself to get itself in order, we'll start waking them up and see what they're doing. And it's then a period of over you know, several days trying to wake them up. And you know, if during that time you can put some music on that they love, you know, it's, we, we all think to ourselves inside that music helps, it calms. It, it, it all adds to that sort of homeostasis, I, I believe. I guess it must be a shock, say, as you say, if you have a cardiac arrest you know, on the high street or, 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 or uh, you know, in a kind of strange place, and then you wake up in even a stranger place, yeah. you know, there's, there's going to be that thing of, well, shock or, you know, just Confusion. not knowing where you are. Confusion, yeah. So the music, yeah. as you're saying, uh, it kind of helps, and you've mentioned about decreasing kind of blood pressure and heart rate and stuff like that, so then that keeps them in, on that kind of right journey, almost. Mm. And there's also talk of um, music as a medicine uh, for analgesia. So um, they've done studies with uh, surgery. So they uh, take a group of subjects and who are having surgery and they give them either some pain relief medicine before the surgery or they sit them in a room and play them nice music. And then they uh, record their outcomes of experienced pain after the operation when they uh, when they come around and often the music is shown as having better outcomes than you know the recognized pain relief so oh, wow. it's it's definitely an, an area that um, you know we, we talked about the homeostasis but also analgesia um, is, is something that uh, music is being looked at as a form of medicine because here's a thought right say uh, you've got an individual, right? They're in a coma for one reason or another. It could be a car crash or whatever. They're in a coma. If you were playing them yeah. nice music and stuff like that, it might be. I mean, it's almost like if you're chilled out and you're listening to some music, you think, oh, do you know what? I'm not going to get up. Now. I just want to lay and you fall asleep. And, you know, and there's no reason for you to get up, right? <laughs> so why, why don't they play some music that they absolutely hate, you know, like Mr. Blobby or something like that or just some terrible music so it's like they want to wake up and go will you switch this crap off <laughs> you know is, oh is that something that would be of a consideration uh no no, no? I think okay. if, if someone's in a coma that their coma is either because their body 
needs to recover, so it is switching itself off or switching the, the consciousness off while it does its recovery. Or it's we're making the coma ourselves in the ITU because we want them to recover and being awake and moving around and so forth will be a problem. So it's either us or them causing the coma and uh, one of those two or both need to decide it's going to come to an end. So, so oh, yeah, sorry Rob. Oh, that's what, well, no, well, like the man in the uh, orthopaedic shoe shop once said, you know, I stand corrected. Uh, so, that's, that's, so I guess that, so that's music as a negative then, I guess, almost, so that, that would be counterintuitive to that individual getting better. So is there but any... If you play them horrible music, um, yeah, I guess you, you could look at it the other way. If you, I mean, uh, in, again, going back to studies, um, there, there's, there's one study, I can't remember exactly what it's about, but it, it's, they, they, were, they were using music to, uh, I think it was to calm people, uh, or seeing the result of music for calming people, and it, it depended what kind of music they put on, so if there was something that was, uh, which was quite dynamic, something like classical music, um, so yeah, getting loud, then going quiet, loud, quiet, it, it had a better effect, but um, if they put on something with the same uh, volume, the same intensity, it, it, it had the opposite effect. So, so yeah, that, I guess that's why we do the research. We need to find out the best way of using this medicine because you can always use medicines incorrectly. So, so in terms um, of, uh, so as, as a kind of a, a takeaway then, uh, what I'm, I'm trying to, to get is like, music can be used very positively in, in terms of calming you down, uh, like mm. reducing stress, a reduced heart pressure, or yeah, sorry, uh, uh, heart rate, uh, reduced blood pressure and stuff like that. If you were a stressed person, what does stress, what does that kind of, what effect does it have on your body and why is it important to reduce the stress that you have in your life? Yeah, stress is, it's a necessary thing in small doses. It, yeah, it's a, it's a survival thing, the fight, fight or flight response. If you need to get away from something or fight it to protect yourself, then you have various things happen in the body, including a, a raised cortisol level. And that's a good thing, that's what we need. You know, the feeling when you're, you're going into a job interview and you're terrified, that's, that's raised cortisol, um, adrenaline, etc. Where, where stress can become a problem is where that cortisol is produced to an elevated level for a sustained period of time. So if you're you know, in a work environment where you're constantly stressed, then that raised cortisol level can, can do bad things to your body. It's designed to go up and down uh, and just be used conveniently. And if it's raised for long periods of time, you, you can have issues with high blood pressure. Uh, high blood pressure can lead to diabetes, type 2 diabetes. It can lead to heart, heart, heart disease. You know, there, there aren't very many things uh, in the, the circulatory system or illnesses concerned with it that aren't negatively affected by uh, prolonged stress. So, so music as a medicine, if it helps get your your regular ongoing uh, cortisol levels down, is a good thing. It's going to make you a more healthy person. And does any does does music have any effect on? The, uh, the immune system at all or anything? If, 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 if you're relaxed, does it then allow your body to concentrate? Is that the kind of way that it works? Like concentrate on getting better as opposed yeah, to being distracted? I mean, this isn't something, the immune system isn't something I'm an expert on, but um, yeah, I mean, a calm body uh, with the immune system working well, um, 
I think those things go hand in hand. Um, I mean, there, there is research of, um, with again, using music as medicine that, that shows increased production of, uh, of immune cells. So it, it's, it's pretty universal. You know, it's, it's, yeah. When we look into it, it, it confirms, I think, what we know inside already about music, um, that it helps uh, everywhere and in everything that we, in our, in our bodies. It's, uh, it's fundamental to who we are. Well, just to finish on, really, in terms of music, I, I mentioned at the very beginning about Alive Inside, people listening to music and you know, it's something they remember, they associate with a good memory, and that's what's kind of like, you know, plucks them out of that kind of uh, state that they're in. Is there a song that you associate with a memory at all? Oh, that's, uh, yeah, I mean, there's songs for every memory, isn't there? Every memory where music is around, that's what I think. A good memory. A good memory. Okay, let, let's go back to old times and university and drag you into the equation. You introduced me to a band called Air. Um, I bought their Moon Safari album in, um, in Tunbridge Wells, I think I was in at the time. We, we were living there. And uh, yeah, I, I associate that time with that album and one song in particular, uh, C'est Matin La with a, a certain university project, uh, with a certain filmographer um, yeah, yeah. sitting opposite me in Norfolk or wherever you are. <laughs> I'm in Norfolk. I'm in Norfolk. I'm, well, You're most specifically, Norfolk. I'm in Norwich. Where are you? I'm in Western Superman. Oh, wow, it's got to so, be nice. Anything with there. super, everything with super in the title has got to be a good place to live. Oh, yeah, well, who would have <laughs> <who> thought? <laughs> So, because I think Simitan La means it happens this mo- happened this morning or this morning, doesn't it, or something like that? I don't know. I'm not. Uh, I'm not au fait with the French language. Or it's it's the morning. I'm not sure. I don't know. Well, I'm sure someone can Google it and not tell me anyway. Well, I'll tell you what. We'll we'll finish up the the interview now. And what we'll do is we'll we'll listen to this next song. And um, again, thank you so much for. Um, taking part in the interview and coming on the show and um, maybe in the future I, I might come to you with some more um, medical questions just in case something springs to mind that I might think uh, I could be your resident doctor how's that that well that that sounds uh, absolutely perfect I will uh, I will call upon your expertise at uh, when you need at, your checked. <laughs> I say uh, no <laughs> <laughs> I'll say I'll probably give you about two weeks' notice before I ring, so it won't be urgent. Well, no, thank you so much, Tom. And um, oh, my, yeah, my li- pleasure. We will listen to. Oh, if you so, in terms of uh, any advice you'd like to give to the listeners for a happy, healthy life, other than listening to this podcast when it comes out, what else would you uh, suggest? Uh, get your sleep. Sleep is very important. Sleep is when your body fixes itself. It's where you. Uh, yeah, well, it's, where it's, it's, it's the power down reset, not the kind that Rob talks about. <laughs> I say, if you can't sleep, come round here. <laughs> if you need to be reset.
A samurai sword fight broke out in Brussels when a game of Monopoly went wrong, according to reports. The trouble reportedly started in the forest area of the Belgian capital at about 5am on Sunday, when residents became annoyed by four people playing the board game on the pavement outside their home. A man came out of his house, apparently brandishing a stick, and got into an argument with the Monopoly players. Reports say the resident's son then became, came outside armed with a Japanese samurai sword in its holster. During the scuffles that followed, the katana sword became exposed after the sheath was alleg allegedly removed by one of the Monopoly players, reported La Libra. The player tried to grab the katana and remove the holster. The son tried to get it back, police said. It's thought the son of one of the Monopoly players was injured by the blade. The Brussels Midi police confirmed two men were taken to hospital. The Monopoly player was later discharged, local media reported, but the resident's son was said to be in a life-threatening condition. Both men were also arrested. The area along the street where the game had been played by the group, which consisted of three men and a woman, was left stained with large patches of blood and scattered with Monopoly cards after the confrontation. So it's a simple case of go to jail, go directly to jail, do not collect $200. A mum of two with two vaginas who gave birth twice out of her right vagina is now trying for a third baby out her left. Evelyn, who raises awareness of her rare conditioning with adult content on OnlyFans, was unable to give birth vaginally because the baby was not positioned centrally, so a C-section was scheduled instead. In June 2021, Evelyn gave birth to a healthy baby boy called Oliver. He was born at 37 weeks and weighed just five and a half pounds. Despite making a quick recovery from the C-section for Evelyn, the procedure lacked the, mag the magic of vaginal birth. Recovery was great and easy for me though. It was also nice having the tough, deci tough decisions taken away from me in a sense because I had to have a C-section. I didn't have to make choices for my birth experience like whether I wanted to avoid intervention or not. Within three months of her first child's birth, Evelyn once again fell pregnant also in her right vagina. Again, a C-section was scheduled on her right womb for 36 weeks. In June 2022, Evelyn gave birth to a beautiful girl named Amy, weighing only 4.4 pounds. Due to her small size, Amy spent three weeks in the special care unit. However, due to her previous two C-sections, her doctor has warned that she can no longer use her right vagina for pregnancies and must be careful during sex. Instead, she has been advised to try for a baby using her left, although this has put a dampener on her sex life, as Evelyn says she can only orgasm from her right vagina. Whilst her husband will use the left vagina, her right vagina is now reserved for her only fans content. We are trying for our third, and we have to use my left vagina now as the right has had two C-sections. My doctor has told us we can't use the right anymore, so we need to be careful when having sex. Especially when we film with another guy for OnlyFans, we need to make sure that my husband uses the left side, which sucks because I prefer the right. The right is the only one I orgasm from, so it especially sucks. After meeting her husband, she now creates adult content as on OnlyFans, where she claims to earn over £54,000 a month. 
I was able to use one vagina for work and one vagina for my personal life, which made the work a lot easier emotionally and physical for me, Evelyn said. Great Scott! As a kid, everyone used to have a sneaky look around their parents' cupboards and drawers when they weren't looking. Who knew what treasures could be hiding? Some spare sweets or even a toy? However, Lauren Barden's six-year-old son, Leo Roy, got a lot more than he bargained for when he went hunting underneath his mum's bed. Leo didn't come up trumps with any candy or match attacks cards when he looked under his mum's bed. Instead, he found an eight-inch suction dildo. Nevertheless, the six-year-old's plan to have fun wasn't thwarted as he innocently stuck it to the wall and decided to use it for a bit of boxing practice. Lauren recalls scrolling TikTok when she looked up to realise what her son was doing. I was so embarrassed and my jaw just dropped. He was ducking and everything and I was in shock, Lauren said. Despite the huge size of it and how it looked realistic with veins and everything, Lauren29 explained thankfully, Leo hasn't a clue what it is apart from it looks like a willy. When I stopped recording, I took it off the wall and told them not to touch my things and put it away. He was so innocent and asked what it was. I told him it was a funny microphone for TikTok, she said. The video of Leo stepping into the ring against the 60-pound dildo has since gone viral online. It has amassed over a million views on TikTok and Facebook and has left people in absolute stitches. However, through the hilarity of the situation, some have also noted how naturally talented Leo is as a boxer, with one person even comparing the six-year-old to British professional boxer Tyson Fury. Lauren feels lucky Leo isn't older, however, she noted when he's older he'll probably laugh about it, she hopes. Leo might be in for a bit of shock when he turns 16 though, as someone suggested Lauren should show him the video on his 16th birthday. You've got to laugh, I've seen the funny side and so does he, and that's what matters, the mum added. For now, Leo will have to find another more age-appropriate toys to play with as Lauren has found a new hiding spot for her dildo. Although clearly it made an impression and a very apt boxing opponent, as Lauren said, how her son keeps asking where it is. She reflected, it's definitely the most embarrassing moment I've had as a parent. But put it on TikTok anyway. Great Scott! Next is a little game that I like to call... So new listeners to the show, very briefly, what I do is I play the last five seconds of a record and you have to guess what it is. I play the song twice, and a little bit of a gap in the middle just to give you a bit of thinking time. So without further ado, here is the last five seconds. A clue, I could say there is lots of this off of Australia. It's part of their band name. That's probably a really easy clue. So we'll go straight in to listen to the second and final version and then what I'll do is I'll tell you the song and I'll play it and then that'll be the end of the show because we had such an interesting and long interview with Tom earlier. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. I'll be looking to interview more people, uh, claim to fame probably, and what their record collection's like. So did you get the song? Well, it was Dreaming of You by The Coral. So thanks again for listening and take care and I'll catch you at the next one.
It's up in my heart when it skips a beat. Oh, yeah. 